All houses wherein men have lived and died are haunted houses. Through the open doors, the harmless phantoms on their errands glide with feet that make no sound upon the floors. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Greetings, creeps, and welcome to my podcast, This House is Haunted. Over the next several weeks, I'll be sharing my personal experiences of having spent two years in a haunted house in eastern Kentucky. Due to the spooky nature of this podcast, viewer discretion is advised as I take you into a world filled with things that go bump in the night. Many years ago, so many in fact, that it takes place in a time when I was between life and death. I think of in vitro like that, a precipice where new life hangs in the balance of a life already established, where the only choices you know are that of the one who carries you in their womb. A time when you are waiting for the day you will taste the air for the first time and be held in the warmth of arms that love you and want nothing more than to protect you and keep you safe. But as you wait, you have no memory, no sense of self, as you absorb your surroundings. In the waiting, you become what you are exposed to, even if you can't remember it, even if it was something that changed the trajectory of your entire life. For me in that waiting place, A storm threatened to end my waiting and send me on to whatever heaven awaits those young that never get to be a part of the world. My mama was six months pregnant with me and living in northern Indiana with my daddy and my brother when a storm unlike anything they had ever encountered literally ripped their lives to pieces. Much like other devastating storms, it happened in the middle of the night when folks are at their most vulnerable. Thinking it was just another early summer storm, they stayed in their bedrooms until the deafening sound of a locomotive bearing straight towards them startled them to get together in the hallway in just enough time for their home to turn upside down. The storm had escalated to a tornado that just so happened to touch down right on my parents' farm and flipped their double-wide trailer entirely off its foundation, rolling it several hundred feet. The only thing that stopped the trailer from continuing its tumble with my family still trapped inside was a corn silo made out of heavy cement and an old sturdy oak tree that had seen many a storm and responded by sending down deeper roots and refusing to budge. Thank goodness for stubborn old oak trees because in the midst of the tumbling, a wall furnace weighing well over 300 pounds had pinned my very pregnant mama. Until the day he died, my daddy marveled that he'd been able to lift it off of her and help her and my brother, who had received only a few scrapes and bruises, out of the house. They were surrounded by ankle-deep water, with power lines snapped and jumping around, and somehow made it out through the old farm lane leading to their property where an ambulance was already en route. Their neighbors had seen the tornado touch down and had immediately called 911, knowing that my 
family were all in the house. My mama was heavily bruised and very scared and said it was one of the longest rides of her life. Even when she told the story, her hand instinctively shifted to sit on her belly, as if still cradling my life in her hands. They were terrified that she had lost me with all the trauma her body had obtained. She said when she heard my heartbeat, she cried for a full 15 minutes and doesn't remember taking one breath. Before leaving the hospital, the treating physician, an older man who'd been treating the farming folks of Warsaw for years, told her he reckoned I'd be a nervous one when I was born. This was long before studies were done to show how environmental factors can influence babies in the womb. I don't reckon she was surprised that as I grew, I saw danger in places other kids my age wouldn't even consider. I didn't trust strangers, and that included family I didn't see very often, and I didn't have a desire to jump off embankments into creeks or chase insects I couldn't identify, or even walk too far from my family home. My sad excuse for running away looked a lot like hiding under a tree and waiting to see when my mother would send out the police to look for me because she felt so guilty about not giving me that second cupcake. Why shouldn't I get one? Wayne got one, thank you very much. But I digress. You get it. I was a nervous kid long before we moved into the house. I was also a child that enjoyed hearing a good story but didn't enjoy being the source of scrutiny from the other members of my family. Since moving to Kentucky, it had been nearly painful for me to share my experiences with the thing in the shadows, the ghoul in the window, and the voice that shouts in the woods. So much so that when the lady visited me in my dreams, I opted not to share that particular piece of information with anyone. There had already been mentioned to take me to a doctor, and I could tell my mom and daddy were worried that something might be wrong with me. If I was honest with myself, and capable of that level of introspection at such a young age, I would have probably admitted to being worried about that too, since I seemed to attract peculiarity. Mama had seen the birds. My sister had smelled the honeysuckle and felt the cold and my daddy had heard the scratching in the smokehouse, but no one besides me had actually seen anything. I reckon if I was trying to isolate someone, this was a pretty good way to do it. Time persisted, as it always does, and I continued to find ways to live inside the house. I went to school, I did my homework, and I adapted to avoiding the playroom and never looking in the kitchen window. My sister thought it was the greatest thing in the world that I never wanted to play without her and my brother to continue to exist much like the emo teenager he so rightfully was, oblivious to anyone outside of the teendom social bubble he was slowly creating at his new school. One thing that really stood out to me was the weather in Kentucky. I remember marveling that snow wasn't three feet deep already this close to December. In northern Indiana, the cold settled in fast and most of the area was blanketed in a sea of white before Thanksgiving even came around. In our new home, thunderstorms were still whipping up well into November and that was added to the list of things that I wasn't enjoying about our move to southeastern Kentucky. 
Everything felt wild and untamed in this land, and our house on the hill was no different. The past couple of weeks had passed without much by way of incidents besides the occasional scent of honeysuckle, which provided me with comfort instead of terror. The lady in white's reminder that I was never alone in my house felt much less menacing without a writhing pit of darkness in the corner. I think I was hopeful that the lady in white had figured out a way to shield me completely from the thing in the shadows and I could just forget that it had ever existed. I had just gotten home from school and settled into my play clothes. Y'all know your mamas didn't let you go running around in your good school clothes and the first thing you did when you walked through the door was change into your comfiest hand-me-downs. A tradition that brings me way more pleasure now as an adult. When I heard a deep rumble of thunder reverberate through the house, my sister came tearing in from the front porch, breathing deep, eyes wide with fright. There wasn't one person in my family that enjoyed thunderstorms and the potential threat they harbored. Memories of my mom being tumbled through the house like a tennis ball in a dryer still haunting those of us that were amongst the living at the time, and my sister and I picking up on their fear and making it our own in a sense of self-preservation. Did you hear that? It's a big one. Those clouds are super dark, too. Better stay inside, sissy, she said, all of this in one long breath, her cheeks red and ruddy with the effort it took. Oh, I heard it. It felt like my teeth chattered. Where's, before I could finish my question, my daddy and mama walked through the front door. Wayne was spending the night with a new friend from school, so it was just going to be the four of us riding this out together. Mama had droplets of rain on her blouse, and daddy's hair looked damp and disarrayed. Wayne would be gone during a storm like this. You think I should call him? Tell him to stay inside? Maybe we should bring him home. We haven't had a storm like this here yet, and he could be sc Daddy hugged her before she could finish her thought, kissing her forehead, prompting my sister and I to roll our eyes and turn our heads at this atrocious public display of affection between our parents. Y-U-C-K. Yuck. Burley, he'll be all right. They don't have the same kind of storms here they do in Indiana. The mountains help keep them from touching down. Besides, it's too cool for it to be too much of a storm. I'm sure they're playing that dang video game he likes so much, a Terry. Mom chuckled at Dad's butchering of the word Atari Earl. She said, looking up at him, smiling. Daddy didn't miss a beat. Whatever it is, them boys will be too busy fooling with it to be outside, so I reckon he'll be just fine. Here he noticed my sister and I lurking in the doorway, trying really hard to look somewhere other than at them. Just like we'll be just fine, right girls? We took that as a cue that it was safe to look at them, and he grinned and kissed Mama one more time on the forehead and laughed when we said in unison, Ugh! You girls got the TV off? Last thing we need is it getting struck by lightning. I shrugged and said, Never got to turn it on. We just got home. Well, let's keep it that way. Them things are like a lightning rod during storms. He released Mama and stepped towards the kitchen, no doubt ready for a nice cold Coca-Cola to tide him over while Mama made dinner. 
As if reading my mind, he said, Let's order pizza tonight. I don't want your mama fooling with that stove during the storm either. Pizza? Order in? This was a miracle of miracles, as my family was always very frugal. Ordering food in always felt luxurious, and it was a rare thing indeed for us to have something other than Chef Boyardee box pizza. This night might not be so bad after all. My sister audibly squealed and began jumping up and down, shouting, I want pepperoni! as she did a literal cartwheel down the hallway. Pizza is a big deal for poor folks, y'all. Mama was laughing as she walked towards the fridge to grab the phone book, neatly tucked away on top. Isn't this where everyone kept their phone book back then? I swear I think I knew everyone doing the same thing. As she dialed and placed the order, my sister and I settled into the couch by the big bay window. The trees were doing a sort of demented dance in the wind, bending one way and then another as the storm intensified outside. Fear was beginning to grip me once again, but then Daddy was there, and he fell unceremoniously onto the couch and watched with us. His body seemed tense, but that was the only sign that he was concerned. He said lowly, The mountains will protect us here, babies. It's not like it was in Indiana with all that flat land. The tornadoes have a harder time finding a place to land in these parts. I was born and raised not far from here, and we never had one tornado in all that time. He leaned towards the russet-colored coffee table and picked up one of his auto trader magazines and began flipping through it casually. If Daddy wasn't worried, I wouldn't be either. I leaned back, not sure what to do with the next hour or so without the TV while we waited on our pizza. When a soft scratching sound came from the back of the house, I paused immediately, my heart catching in my in my chest as I recognized it as the same I heard my first day of school and when daddy and I had been in the smokehouse I squeezed my eyes shut hoping it was just the wind pushing a tree against the window and I was mistaken I held my breath hoping praying that I wouldn't hear it again when there a long slow scratching sound echoed through the living room Afraid to look, I didn't notice my daddy had stopped reading the auto trader and was now looking towards the back of the house. My entire body felt tight, expecting to see the thing in the shadows peering back at me with its dead and hollowed eyes. Deep breaths. I was not alone. I opened my eyes slowly, only to shut them once again when a loud clap of thunder seemed to shake the living room causing Dad, my sister, and I all to jump in unison. With my eyes closed, I lost my balance and landed hard on the living room floor and shouted in pain and surprise. Oh! Daddy was there immediately, helping to lift me back up, and that was a common theme in my life. Teeny, you all right? I nodded, keeping my eyes locked on his. He chuckled, but it was without his usual warmth as he looked warily out the window. Lightning was streaking across the sky now, lighting up my daddy's face in a way that I didn't much care for. I was clutching a pillow tightly to my chest and my sister had scooted much closer to me. Did you hear that sound, sissy? 
she asked, pulling her feet up and putting them next to her chest as if protecting them from something that might be lurking below the couch. Normally, I would have teased her for this, but I didn't do much of that anymore since moving into the house. The scratches? She nodded, looking very solemn and quiet. Daddy turned and said, Y'all have heard them scratches in the house before? I thought it was just the smokehouse that had critters. It looks like the house might be infested too. His brow knitted into a frown, and this time when the scratching sound happened, he turned to follow it. I rushed forward, grabbing his large callous hand in my tiny one and tugged. He turned to me puzzled, and I said, Don't go back there, Daddy. It, it could be anything. He patted my hand and pulled his away, smiling. I'm pretty sure I'm a lot bigger and meaner than anything that could be hiding in the walls, baby. Besides, you don't want to wake up with a coon in your bedroom, do you? Before I could answer, he laughed and said, Never mind, I forgot who I was talking to. Of course you'd love that. In spite of my fear, I smiled a little because the truth was there wasn't an animal I'd met that I didn't have some affection for and I could see me welcoming a baby coon into the house with open arms. My smile faded quickly, though, since I doubted very seriously the scratching was any raccoon. You can come with me if you think I need backup. Still grinning, he walked towards the dining room. I stood there a moment, considering my options, and decided it would be better to be with Daddy than in a room with just my little sister. I took a deep, wavering breath and started walking into the dining room, too. Molly wasn't far behind as she slipped her hand in mine. My hands, my hands cold. Can I warm it up? This was something she said when she was scared but didn't want me to know it. And like a good big sister, I let it roll and took her hand. The scratching sounded much louder once we reached the dining room. The sound of it reminded me of those church people who would come around in the black pants and white shirts and try to squeeze into your house and talk to you like it was trying to get our attention. Daddy placed his finger over his mouth in a shh motion, and my sister and I stopped a few feet behind him. He listened closely, looking up to the ceiling and then the walls as the sound moved from place to place very quickly. This went on for a few seconds before the sound focused in on the place where I first heard it in the dining room, seemingly coming from the other side in the playroom. A cold chill passed through me and my sister looked at me with a worried expression but didn't say anything since daddy had told us not to. The sound continued to come from the same location in the wall and daddy walked until he was standing only a few inches away and it stopped abruptly. We all stood still for a few seconds expecting it to continue but it didn't. Perplexed, daddy leaned in and it inspected the wall where the sound had been focused seconds before. He ran his hand along the wood paneling before stopping and focusing on a panel in particular. Huh, this one seems to be loose. He pulled a small brown case pocket knife from his jeans and flipped it open and began to pry the back off of the already loose board. Mom walked in about this time, having finished her phone call. Earl, don't you go destroying my house. Her hands landed on her hips and one leg extended forward, which meant she was not amused by what was happening. Daddy looked back and said, 
the girls and I heard something in the walls, Mama. I don't know about you, but I'm not keen on the thought of a critter rummaging around in our house and chewing up our electrical wires. Mom released the hands from her hips and crossed them across her abdomen. Just don't mess it up too bad, Earl. I don't relish the thought of trying to find Painland to match that. With Mama's blessing, Daddy persisted, working the board out with, without much resistance. After pulling it away and setting it on the kitchen table, Daddy stood back and stared at the place where he had removed the board. I changed positions in the room and noticed a moderately sized hole in the wall. My entire body grew tense, ready for something terrible to happen, but nothing did. Daddy leaned forward and peered into dark space. Well, I'll be, he said under his breath. Since he wasn't running away in terror, I figured it was safe to move towards him to see what had him so perplexed. He was reaching his hand into the hole when my sister and I, still hand in hand, moved forward. I glanced out the dining room window and saw the wind blow in the trees and something else was that. Thunder clapped again and I jumped and lost the sight of the dark shape I thought I saw outside. I shook my head, cleared my thoughts and stopped beside Daddy who was now holding something in his hand turned and held out what looked to be a small doll of some sort, made out of what looked like, was that corn husks? Buttons were where I should be and it looked like, yep, that was real woven hair on top. I felt nauseous looking at it. My repulsion was noticed by my sister, who took a step back taking me with her. Her nose curled up. What is that ugly thing, Daddy? She asked, looking at him and not the doll. Looks like a toy somebody hid in the wall, Molly, he said, turning the doll around quizzically. Why would they put a doll in the wall, I asked, trying not to look at the doll with its button eyes and what looked like human hair on top. Who knows why people do what they do, Teeny? He turned and sat the little doll on the dining room table and looked back into the hall. I'm more worried about mice being in the walls doing all that scratching. Burley, we need to head into town first thing tomorrow and get some traps. We can't have them eating up our electrical wires. Last thing we need is another house fire. Here he reached into the hole and felt around and said, Feels like something else is in here. Seconds later, he pulled out what looked like a faded, scalloped piece of paper. Stepping closer, I realized he was holding a faded photograph like the one like the ones Mamma had in her photo albums. It's a picture, my sister shouted, excited. She loved looking at old family photographs and making up stories of what things were like back in the old days. Let me see, she exclaimed, rushing forward to Daddy, hand extended. Daddy laughed and said, whoa, Molly, let me dust it off first, and he wiped it across his blue flannel shirt before handing it over to her. She's pretty, my sister said, holding the photo up so that she and I both could see it. I noticed immediately that the woman standing in the photo was at the house. In fact, she was standing out by the smokehouse. She was tall and regal looking, her posture perfect as she stood looking stoically into the camera. She didn't smile, but she exuded a kind of kindness that I could sometimes feel when looking at photos. 
She was wearing an old-timey style farm dress, her long hair braided to one side. She seemed so familiar to me, but how? This is when I noticed her eyes. The same dark, friendly eyes that I had seen in my dream only a few weeks before. I felt dizzy suddenly and steadied myself against my sister. You okay, teeny? Daddy said, a hint of worry in his voice. Just scared of the storm, Daddy, I whispered, taking a few steps back and sitting in one of the dining room chairs. It was the lady in white, the one from my dreams. Why was there a photo of her in the wall? Why was there a creepy doll beside it? It was around this time the doorbell rang and Mom announced that our pizza had arrived. Enticed by the smell of hot cheese and pepperoni, the doll and photo were abandoned by my dad and sister as they beelined for the kitchen to secure a few slices of pizza while it was still hot. I lingered by the table, unsure of how to feel. The lady had been so kind to me in my dream, but why lead us to this creepy doll and her photo? Was it her leading us here at all? I smelled the air, hoping to catch the comforting scent of honeysuckle, but smelled only the pizza wafting down the hall. I felt like finding this doll was something significant, but couldn't understand at the time why. Soon my family was back in the room, and my mama had brought me a plate of pizza so I could join everyone else in eating around the table. The storm was passing and the steady sound of rain falling was the only one aside from us eating in the room. I continued to puzzle over the discovery in the dining room, but my family was already discussing what movie to watch that night. Once we were finished, Daddy asked if my sister or I wanted the doll. I really didn't as I found it creepy and unsettling, but I also knew I needed to show it to the only person who might be able to tell me what it was. I told him I'd add it to our treasure pile, a box of things that my sister and I kept in our toy box that were all found, as long as I could keep the photo too. He shrugged and handed them both to me. As I tucked them away, I thought of the impending holidays. Yes, I would ask the only person who seemed to know about any of this kind of stuff. It was time for me to talk to my mamaw. Well, creeps, I hope you've enjoyed getting to know me a little better and unraveling another piece of a long and spooky story. We're getting close to the end of season one, which means things are just going to keep getting weirder from here. I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen to my podcast. I know there are thousands to choose from, and it makes my spooky little heart happy that you took the time to listen to my story. I'm a one-woman show, so every like, share, and review makes my little heart go pitter-patter. It sure would mean a lot if you would take the time to give me a rating on whatever streaming service you're using to help bring new listeners to the pod and keep us alive and well. You can also find This House's Haunted podcast on Facebook and Instagram for updates and photos. 
If you're so inclined, you're also welcome to catch me on a podcast I co-host called Beyond the Paranormal Podcast, which is an interview-based show where my where my friends John Ree and I talk to a plethora of folks in the paranormal community about their experiences with everything from Bigfoot to ghosts to aliens. Until next time, friends, keep it creepy and don't go chasing any voices you hear in the night.